0: Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Bobcat fans. You're listening to the RNR Catcast. Got your Ryan's here. We're going to talk basketball tonight, Bobcat basketball season-ending edition. Basketball. What do you think about
1: that,
2: Ryan? I think this is going to be an interesting episode for us. Neither of us are really basketball savants. We're both big fans. Um, We wanted to do this, but kind of a little bit of extra mustard on it with uh, Brian Fish's departure. So it's going to be an interesting uh, topic, and it was an interesting season.
0: For sure. Basketball, definitely not our forte. I know you (laughs) and I spend quite a bit of time still texting about it uh, and having passing conversations. But uh, it's not, we're not invested in it as, as football, but I think we have enough to talk about tonight so we can get to it, but, um, no, I mean, a,
2: we've, we've been following the program for 15 years at least. So we have some commentary regardless. <laughs> Maybe we don't know all the X's and O's of basketball, but we know basketball. We know enough.
0: Yeah. From a fan's perspective,
2: of course. Naturally.
0: But as always, we're going to get started with what beer we're drinking tonight. I'll start with you, Ryan.
2: I'm drinking a ni- nice, light, crisp Stella Artois, if that's Artois. how you say it. I don't know how you think. I'm pretty sure you got that. the, Yeah, that's how they said it on the commercial with uh, Sex in the City Lady when she ordered one. So she seems pretty smart. In the a can? Bowl, the Super bottle. Bowl commercial, <laughs> the bottle. Okay.
0: I don't know if they make it in a can.
2: I don't think so. It's too classy for that, Ryan. (laughs) Is it now? (laughs) (laughs) Is it? They like to think they are.
0: Well, I got my trusty Sierra Nevada parallel in the can, in a koozie, of course. Wrap
1: it up. You know what I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: Right. (laughs) With that awkward pause right there. Ryan, do why, you, uh, why don't you just give us like a little bit of a rundown on just kind of like record stuff and some some general stats about uh, our um, season here.
2: What? Well, honestly, I don't know. Did we finish 16 and 16? Is that where we finished?
0: No, we were 15 and 17 overall. 15
2: and 17. Okay. So, I mean, there we go. Yet again, a sub 500 season. When's the last time? Montana State even finished above five hundred. I know we had a decent co- uh, conference record, and it's always going to be skewed a little bit because out of conference, usually if you play anybody worth a damn, you are going to lose most of those games. We had a really tough out of conference schedule this year, yeah. So we finished uh, fifteen and seventeen overall. Um, I think it was eleven and nine conference, right? Yeah,
0: that's that's what I got.
2: Okay, yeah. You asked me to do the records, and I hadn't even looked at them, so I am just kind of going off memory here. Um, overall though, I mean, it was just not a great season and it was just another disappointing end to Tyler Hall's fantastic career.
1: Yes, that
0: is a good point. Um,
2: I was looking back, we'll
0: get into that for sure, but yeah, I mean, I was like looking back through the seasons, we were 500 at uh, 16 2017 i mean i'm just look back through fishing seasons going back to 2014 2015 and his first season it was he was seven and 23 and that's ma- mainly because you know he didn't want to go the jc route so yeah uh, we just had all the young guys playing and <laughs> man, we were so bad that year that was yeah. that was horrible we were four and 13 in the conference um the next year we jump up Uh, Tyler Hall's sophomore season was arguably his best at 14 and 16. We go even 16 and 16 in 2016. We dipped down last year to 13 and 19, and as stated, 15 and 17 this year. So, I mean, despite his first year, Brian Fish has been hovering just slightly below that 500 mark uh, for his tenure at Montana State.
2: Yeah, that first year was uh a... a train wreck, but I mean, that's what happens. Like um, we lost a lot of talent. Brad Hughes left us with pretty much nothing and kudos to fish for not just filling it with JC players and just patching it up. He wanted to build the program the right way. And this would be the fruition of that. And there's a lot of just not a lot of his talented recruits stuck around. And that was kind of his downfall in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a way it's kind of tangentially analogous to how, you know, Choate has built his programs from the ground up with young guys, you know, high school players, and that's the way Fish wanted to do it. So, I mean, that first year we were all, you know, frustrated, but couldn't see that vision. But as as the, we would get these highly recruited guys, like like an Isaac Bonton, you know, come in and you know, the man he plays over Harold Frey, and then you know, Fish is like, you know, that's not going to happen, man. And you know, I could see Fish kind of running some guys off as well. He was. He's a polarizing coach as far as, you know, how you would react to his coaching style. So I could see, you know, he was maybe not in every man's players kind of coach is what I'm trying to get at. But uh, as, no. as alluded in, uh, in many different ways, you know, if, if you respond to that, then you would thrive under his coaching technique. And no doubt, one of the things that came across this year to me was – just his love for his players and i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more but uh, i i never doubted that but uh, his coaching style definitely uh, has questioned uh, questioned uh, a lot of people question that type of style so
2: no i mean you hear it all the time on the message board people just talking about how they don't think it's appropriate for a fish to be like berating his players on the court yelling at his players all the time and you know i never witnessed that personally uh you and i both Out of state now. I haven't been to a men's basketball home game, and I don't. I couldn't even tell you to be honest. But so you don't really see that side of things on TV or hear it on the radio or anything like that. So it's hard for me to comment on that. But that seemed to be a pretty um, recurring thing that people would bring up about Fish and his coaching style. And it's definitely a polarizing type thing. And kids today um, might not respond to that as much as they would have. 15, 20 years ago, and that could just be fish coaches a style that is going out of style in today's modern game.
0: You know, I'm a teacher and, you know, a coach is is by far an important teacher in, in many different ways, and I can't imagine myself berating my students and then them having trust and um you know drive to work for me and maybe maybe it's different and you know it probably is slightly in
1: in the sports realm but um
0: i'm not a big fan of of that style and i don't feel like that is the only way to go about um having success as as a coach and i know that could be just you know just being passion intensity on the front line you're seeing that and that's just what comes out and who's to say has fish evolved over his tenure here at Montana state? Some say he has, some say he has, you know, this year has played or has been a little bit more dialed back, at, so to say, but, um, as a teacher, you know, I see coach, I mean, I see fish as a teacher as well. And I just, I don't really, I don't really like that style.
2: No, no, I can't say I like it either, but you know, I'm not a division one athlete. I'm not being given money. I'm not being given a scholarship to come and play and, and just do whatever my coach says. So it's a little different perspective for me. Um, I did play, you know, some sports. I definitely never responded to that kind of coaching, but um, you know, everyone's different. And I think that's part of coaching is figuring out how your guys respond to you and trying to treat, you know, trying to find a balance between all of those different individual Characteristics and styles, and how people respond to it. And I think, again, that just comes back to him being able to recruit really talented players, but it's like they get there and they realize, like, oh, this is how he coaches. Nah. And then they're just, they bail on him. So, and the guys that stuck around, I think actually developed. I think his development is actually decent if he can get guys to play for him for three or four years. And that was a rarity more than it was the norm. Yeah, for sure.
0: What other factors do you think play into the departure of some of our recruits?
2: You got to think that there's some culture shock in there, but at the same time, like how does, I was thinking about that. How, how, how come football can pull so many different recruits from so many different areas and seem to have a higher retainment rate? Maybe not. I mean, that. You just think about it. It's been a little bit of a turnover here recently under Choate, but I think a lot of that is football has just so many more players. There's just a bigger network of people to fall back on if you feel like an outcast. There's and other guys who feel just like you do that you can relate with. Basketball's such a small roster that if you're coming there and you don't feel like you fit in, like how can you possibly thrive in that situation? That's a good point.
0: I was thinking so, about that. You know, just in in general terms. Bozeman is isolated uh, geographically. You know, um, it's kind of far away from any metropolitan area. You have a good three hours just to get to other cities. It's the population is not that big, Uh, it's not that great. So, there's some factors that are just inherently going to go against Bozeman, no matter how glitz and glam it is. I mean, it is for upper middle class white people. really nice place (laughs) by all means in accounts but if you were let's say you know a kid of color coming in from uh, LA or something there'd be like you said some cultural barriers that are um, you know right in front of your face right away so how do you find your niche in Bozeman well I hope you like your coach I hope you like your teammates and if you don't where are you going to go Uh, is this school providing you what you want do you have the mental fortitude to understand that this is not just about basketball this is about getting a degree uh and that you are at one of the best universities in the united states so um it's hard to see that when you're 18 i think or 19. that perspective is often not there until you know years past but um yeah i could i could see how it's tough for some kids to transition into bozeman
2: well i don't think it was a whole lot better under brad hughes was it I feel so like I, had a, we had a new roster like every other year. <laughs> yeah, and not just not just because he recruited two year guys. I think just because one year guy it's supposed to be two or three year guys ended up bailing after a year as well. Yeah. Did you do heard, some uh, research into that?
0: No, I just I, I knew I'm not going to say his name, but I knew a guy who played for Houston. He said that like during the games, the games were fun. Uh, he said it was just kind of a wide open style. If I. I mean, I might be quoting him wrong, but he said Hughes was very um, controlling outside of it. And, and it was just like, it was it was just different from practice or or just like travel time with your coach. And then when you got into the game, he said you could never quite figure him out.
2: Interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's going to be every coach ever It's going to have players that say different things about him. But, you know, it's just always... Interesting to hear the players' perspective, especially in basketball, where there's so few players playing for them. Each opinion carries a bit more weight, just based on the fact that they're a larger percentage of the success of the coach. Yeah. So, so th- go ahead, Tori. Go yeah, ahead. You you have something in mind? Take it. Well, it's just, I
0: mean, if you start thinking about our basketball program, um, how many years have we been just mediocre? You know, I mean for Fishy's year or tenure, all you know, six or all five of those years before that Hughes too. Before
2: what was that the Mick- last year that we won the conference, was it two thousand two? Jason Erickson, somewhere about that time?
0: Ooh, was it yeah, maybe. Uh, was that with Mick Durham as our coach?
2: Yeah, it would have been Durham for sure. I'm just trying to just trying to think about the last time we even won the conference, the time we were legitimate contender. You know, back when you and I were in school early on, back when Mike Kramer was just getting started as a coach.
0: Yeah, those were the Mick Durham era. And we were, were, we were pretty good there for a while. We had a couple of years when we were going to school in the early 2000s that, I mean, seemingly went well. I, I remember going to some games. I remember being, uh, you know, what's my fondest memory of Montana State basketball? It was being in seventh grade. In Great Falls at North Middle School, <laughs> what was that year? Uh, would have been, I'm going to get it wrong, but it would have been late '90s somewhere there. We went to the, we went to the tournament, and I was in a home ec class of all classes uh, in one of my electives, and they brought in a TV, and we got to watch the Bobcats play. Nice. And I was like, well, sweet Montana State's in the tournament. That's really awesome, you know. Um, That's a good know. little uh, recruiting tool. <laughs> <laughs> Well yeah. And then um yeah, just our time at uh in college just watching those teams play. You give guys like Casey Durham. Man, you know you remember Casey and how he had that uh he always had like the tightest haircut. Do you remember that?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. He just and had you, the short little just gelled up do. Yeah, <laughs> you see him walking <laughs> around
0: on campus and I was just like, Man, like I just I just can't get behind it. He just looked too Too pretty, almost.
2: (laughs) You know, and and he owns like. I think he owns like three restaurants in Bozeman now, doesn't he? He's got like a little uh, restaurant business empire going.
0: Uh, That I'm not sure, but I I wouldn't doubt that.
2: Yeah, I remember him specifically being just a very pest pest pestering type player on defense, like in your face, throwing elbows, but not a whole lot of offensive game.
0: (laughs) No. Do you remember
2: Al Bay? Rest in peace, poor one out. Oh, man, he was sad. Was like, that's a happy memory and a sad memory. Like, what a popular player. What a fun player to watch, even though his offensive game was probably the worst offensive game you've ever seen from a center. Didn't matter. He could block everything out of the gym.
0: <laughs> yeah. Gosh, he was so skinny. And he wore those thick glasses.
2: <laughs> Did he wear glasses? I don't remember him wearing glasses.
0: Oh, I thought he was kind of like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar look right there with the
2: thought he had the Horace Grant thing going
0: oh uh, yeah I might be wrong I mean everything fuzzy now
2: I, th- yeah. I don't I don't remember him having glasses but maybe he wore him off the court or something but I don't certainly don't remember him on the court but we're we're going on a tangent here so regardless yeah. it's been a it's been a while since uh Bobcats were on top of their game and really fun to to watch just because you had a, you just knew that hey we, we were going to win this game we just haven't been legitimate or a contender for a long time, and I don't know if firing Brian Fish is going to help that. It's not in the short term, that's for sure. We're gonna be we're gonna be bad next year, and I think we were gonna be bad whether Brian Fish was here or not. Unfortunately, but we can talk. We can talk about that later. We can talk. I mean, we're kind of no, Let's let's go to- meshing our recap and our Brian Fish discussion into one giant yeah talking about basketball segment, but.
0: So let's focus in on this. What's it going to take for us to get to the next level? What's what what's going to take for us to not be a five hundred team, but maybe the top of the conference? You know, something where we're competing with the Weavers, the Montanas, on a consistent basis. Because boy, we have not. Uh, if if anything, you know, Brian Fish, I'm I'm going to go down this hole for a moment. Brian Fish is one of nine versus the Grays. I don't think he ever won a game against Weaver. And it's five years. So, I mean, that that's just not going to cut it right there.
2: No, and it's hard when you're in a conference that's been dominated by two programs so often. And even harder when one of those is your rival, um, your in-state rival. But yeah. I've, a big thing that we've lacked for a long time is just any sort of post presence on either side of the floor. You can't have City League Sam Newman... Leading you in rebounds like you did last year. (laughs) (laughs) I love Sam Newman, but he should not be our starting center ever for any reason. He probably shouldn't even be like a starter in a lot of ways, but he's just such a he definitely maximized his abilities more than anyone on the Bobcats in a long time. So I, and I'm glad he was on the team, but he just the fact that he was our best option should be concerning a little bit. And oh, for we just, sure. We just can't find a post player to save our life. Like, when's the last time we had a legitimate scoring guy, a guy with some post moves who could score points, get some rebounds, and alter the game? The last guy that comes to mind is David Bunga. There's <laughs> got to be someone more recent <laughs> than that, doesn't there? I forgot about him. Or no, oh, was it was yeah. Divaldo Bunga. His name devaldo is Divaldo. Is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he was—he was a good player. Like he was, he—he he wasn't real big either, though. He wasn't a traditional center size either. Like all of our best centers we've had are guys that aren't big enough to be centers, but just were pretty good. Uh, we had—we had someone more recent than that too, and it's gonna drive me crazy. But just the fact yeah. that there's no one like just jumps to mind. Like, oh, that was an awesome center we had till you right there. You no, it's—it's it, it's,
0: it's shocking how small we are compared to other big sky teams. And just height, but you know when you look at our roster, you see a couple guys you know at six eleven, and I mean, they're not starters they're not they're not getting a lot of game time play. and we had a guy on our team this year named Upin, uh, I guess kind not of butcher's the
1: last name, Haruna uh, he was a senior
0: Big
2: dude, transfer, right.
0: Yeah, from like South Carolina or something like that.
2: Decent sized school, and he came in and just didn't have an impact whatsoever. Didn't even hardly play. A few times I saw him play, he didn't look very good at all. And then he got hurt, and that was the end of his career. Yeah, Yeah, he ended injured. He wasn't even healthy at the end of the year. Yeah, there you go. So,
0: so you think it's going to take a little bit more size to get us over the hump? Some some big time recruits right there. So let's just call that big time recruits,
2: okay? Yeah. You're, well, you're I mean,
0: gonna need to bring in some another Tyler Hall type players. Um
2: it's a guards so, league. It's always been a guards league, but the teams that are elite always have more than just the guard. And yeah. And that's we've had good guard play. We had, all the way from Marcus Colbert. Um Rod Singleton wasn't bad. I mean, we had we've had some guys who could distribute the ball, score some points. We just don't have it. We just get killed on the boards, I feel like, anytime that it comes to anything that matters.
0: That and defense, to me, I was thinking one of the things we need to really focus in on and prioritize is our defense.
2: It's always easy to just go so opposite of what you're unhappy with right now. Like that was Fish's MO score points, play terrible defense. And now it's like, okay, well, let's play good defense. But now you're probably end up. Knock me a score any points, but I we do got to play better defense than we did this year. That was, it was bad. We go through spurts. We go through games where people will just blow by us, get to the rim at will. It was, and that that uh, game against Eastern, we could not stop their center, Peatling or whatever his name was, because we just had nobody who could, who could defend him. Just period. Just nine times out of 10, that guy's going to win the battle against any Bobcat on the roster.
0: Yeah, and our guy I think who was on him was it Devin Kirby. I think he was in some foul trouble so that didn't help out.
2: No. No. Um but yeah, so yeah, just rec- retaining recruits, getting some size, playing some defense, just getting guys that are committed to the program. Like you'd rather I'd rather have guys who aren't the most talented player but stick around and develop and get better every year than guys who are talented come in and are unhappy and don't play their full potential or just quit.
0: You know, another big thing I'm thinking about, and this is more of a, you know, university level thing is Montana state. I'll just be honest with you. They need better facilities all around the brick. Uh, I mean, it needs. honestly, I don't know. It's, it's okay. It's not great. Our, our football stadium is, is pretty good. It's not great. I it's not much has been done to our athletic facilities, you know, in in my lifetime, really. I mean, besides the big renovation for the football field, and really at this point, if you look around Montana State's campus, it's almost unrecognizable to when we were going to school. I mean, how many multi-million-dollar buildings have been built for academics, and God bless. I mean, that is that is huge. That is the main purpose of um, the campus. I mean, that's the that's the, the goal for the students going there
2: but yeah, look to the, point, look to the west if you want to see what happens when you don't pay attention to that
0: well, okay but on the flip side they're doing just the opposite of us and they're just you know funneling their budget seemingly into you know uh facilities uh, and athletics and it's kind of like what Chope preaches you know you're going to uh you're going to do what you emphasize I just think there needs to be a little bit more equity in how they are trying to do that. I know um you know with all this the master plan it feels like we've always been talking about this master plan. You know, that needs to be broad. That just not doesn't need to be for football. That needs to be you know, that that paintbrush needs to go over the whole campus and affect not only the football team, you know, down to the women's golf team, really. Um, uh, but you know, if you put more money into I was gonna call it doll burgering it it's no brick breeding field house. If if you put more money into just facilities, weight rooms, uh locker room, I think they're doing better on the food side now. But, I mean just like when you see pictures of it on Instagram, it just it just looks like you know, they're trying to carve out a space <laughs> in the space that's not intended for it. So it's not flashy. If if you're a division one athlete and you were brought into Montana State uh you're not being sold on on facilities right now. you're not being sold on the amenities that uh the kids crave these days
2: no i mean what's what's the only thing that's happened as far as I can tell from when you and I were at school when we started in school seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years ago, we've updated the scoreboard got like a and I guess we've got a new video thing right like those two oh in games. the in the arena yeah. Yeah, so, that's it. That's the only two things that have happened in the Brick Breeding Field House. as far as I think they may have re- renovated some of the stands in terms of they actually took seats away <laughs> to force people to cram down. Yeah, that might have happened. Uh, the brick is a cool building and it's it needs to be there because it's so multi-purpose, but it's such a cavernous basketball environment. Yeah, you can. Uh, when I went to the games, I loved going to games there because I could just like get a seat. Like in the little second level there by myself with a seat back and just sit there and just watch basketball in peace, like an old man, even though I was like 22. (laughs) (laughs) But you could do that, and it's just even when people cheer us, it's not very loud in there just because there's so much space to deaden your voice. So I don't really know what you can do with that facility to ever improve it, other than maybe they just need a new facility and just turn that into turn that into the indoor practice facility that everyone wants. Make that part of that. Maybe there's some sort of rollout turf you can do on top of the other shit that they do in there.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with that. I think the indoor practice facility should be a standalone. But, I mean, at some it point... It should,
2: but if, okay, but if we're prioritizing, like I, a new basketball arena is or a new basketball facility can be the quickest way to energize the basketball program
0: yeah so if you start if you start throwing money at our sports programs, you know I mean, choate has been preaching it. <laughs> I hate to go back to football, but I mean, that's his war cry right now, right? so I think yeah. that I think that would be huge for it. so
2: football's such an anomaly for for that because some of the best teams in the big sky in the last ten fifteen years have the absolute worst facility. yeah. It's, Weber. So it's, it's Yeah. Well, I mean Weber's got a cool stadium. I have no idea what their weight room and all the other stuff is like, but their stadium's kind of cool, but it's not like a bowl. It's not really a it's real laid back, it's real spacious. Um it holds a fair amount of people. Um but like southern Utah had a good football team. Their stadium holds nothing. And it's I think it might even have a track. Like the, the least the worst thing in the history of sports is a football field with a track on it. Don't get me started. Um, Are you
0: sure it's not a football field that has red turf?
2: Only if it also had. A- <laughs> <laughs> the red turf, the only thing I could ever nicely say about it is that it's not as bad as it on TV or in person as it is on TV. That's, that's the nicest thing I can say to it.
0: Well, you know, they do have a track around it. That's such a crappy stadium. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah, such and
2: and look at them competing for national championships year in, year out.
0: Oh gosh! I'm so tired of Eastern Washington.
2: They have their big master plan as well, but the, I don't as far as I can tell, nothing's ever been accomplished there either, except for some cool looking renderings a few years <laughs> ago. so same thing like when it comes to basketball, all of a sudden, we need to have the best facility, like football you can survive Is, Does that go back to the fact that there's just it's so much more of a quantity over individual quality or it's not as as much of a me me sport as basketball is because I don't know. I, I, I don't think that the brick breeding field house is a detriment to us competing for big sky conference championship.
0: Okay. So maybe not, but we're in the state of Montana and the rivals have much better facilities. And so that does matter. And so in a way you have to play the arms race with degrees. I believe that. Um, the the champion center that they have is is you know that's a that's a game changer for them you know no matter how you try to play that off i don't think you really can unless you're like unless you're a kid who's like you know a diehard bobcat you're always going to be a bobcat a legacy bobcat All right, i don't know i mean it's not always x or y but I mean, that's a nice thing to show some recruits right there. and that, that that could easily win you, like a three-star guy, you know, who's on the fence or whatever you're going after. So I think just, be, just because the Grizzlies are in the same state and they are, they're doing what they do with, with what they do, we kind of have to play that game with them, you know, in order to, if we want to compete at the same level.
2: I agree and I disagree. I agree 100% for football. I agree much less for basketball because how often are U of M and MSU going for the same basketball recruits head-to-head? There's so few Division one players anymore coming out of Montana, the state of Montana itself, that like how you keep up with uh, maybe U of M because they're the cream of the conference, but not because they're your in-state rival. Yeah. Features. Like, you're recruiting a kid from Utah. Like, you think he's going to care that Missoula is slightly better than Bozeman in terms of facilities? Unless you're being recruited by both schools, you're not going to care. You think, Too Ty- you think Tyler Hall cared yeah. a shit about what was going on in Missoula when he was being no. recruited by Fish? No, but
0: it, it could be a factor. It could be a factor. So that's all I'm saying.
2: No, is. I mean, I, I get you. I just, I think it matters less for basketball, in my opinion, just okay. because there's so few actual Division One talented players, or even any players at all, that the Grizz and the Cats are going to be going head for head for a game. Okay. But well, the, yeah, I that's really all I, I have just to ag- say about
0: that. So. I just
2: agree that more, more emphasis, just the athletic department just needs to care about basketball. They need just to prioritize it and just care about making a winning program again instead of just having it be a program that finishes 500 every year.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Leon Castell comes from that background. Uh, everything points towards that direction. So we'll see what uh, he can, you know, how he can navigate the ship when he's uh, choosing the next head coach for the Montana State Bobcats.
2: Question for you. We've been talking about this. Do you think it was the right move to fire Brian Fish?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, and he, okay, so here's why I think. One in nine versus the Grays in five seasons, okay? One in four in postseason.
0: Uh, Under 500 career. Uh, in conference and in overall. Now, overall, you know, like you said, slightly skewed because we played teams like Kentucky one year and Indiana this year, stuff, stuff like that. But when I'm when I'm assessing this, and I was thinking about this on a run the other day, I think this was a, about as good as we were going to get. I think Brian would have done. I think actually would have done fine. I think maybe even better um, next year. I love Tyler Hall. And I want to talk a little bit about his influence on the team and how just the kind of person he is.
1: Um, but uh, I think someone said on the board, and I was
0: kind of agreeing with this because it was aligning with my thought was, you know, let's see, you know, Tyler's going to be gone next year. Well, does that free up some other team-motivated people rather than, you know, like, maybe we're just going to funnel it through Tyler. I mean Tyler's spectacular, but sometimes Tyler disappears too. And so I think I don't know, I was I would be interested in seeing how Fish would navigate that and I'm not certain that we would be worse than we were be this year. I mean we have got Harold Frey being a senior next year. He's you know argu- arguably the best point guard in in the Big Sky this year.
1: So I thought it would have
0: been way, it would have made way more sense to fire him last year. <laughs> and I think that, that was a head scratcher. And then this year we showed some improvement. Um, we had momentum in the month of March. But then again, we go and we barely beat the last team in the conference when it comes to the postseason. It just, it just always seemed like with Fish, it was never surprisingly good. It was always predictably, eh, or kind of bad. I mean, the one surprising game I ha- we had was when he beat the Grays. and it was like what we beat them like what seventy eight or si- to sixty nine, some something like that. It was, it was a good game, but w- one of those games in, you know, five years maybe there's two other games in there that I could chalk up as like holy cow, we, <laughs> we won and and, and not and in like a surprising fashion. We dominated it. Uh, it's, too little in my book, right? It's, it's time to move on.
2: I think it was ultimately the right decision. Um, To to your point about doing it last year, I mean, it's it'd be hard to fire him when he brought in one of the greatest players to ever play in the Big Sky Conference, let alone in Montana State, Um, until he was a senior. I don't know if that played a factor into it, but I know that, you know, this was his contract year, so I guess they're just writing it out through his contract and just not renewing it. So. I can see why they didn't do it last year. Um, it makes sense now. Like, hey, this is, like you said, maybe this is peak fish. This is because as it gets under fish. And if this, if as good as it gets means eking out a f- first round win, which we shouldn't even have been playing in the first place because we should have had a bye because we should have won one of those last two games. Um, that's what it took to fire him. And I guess I agree on the whole. I just don't know if a coaching change is gonna help. I just don't really think he could stick around after the after the career he's had and taking one of the best players to ever play in the conference and turning that into one conference win over a five and twenty six team. Yeah. (laughs) That's just what it is. We beat Idaho, who was atrocious this year. We beat him Three times this year, I mean, not not difficult to beat Idaho this year, and that was the best it could get was a what would we win that game by two like it was a it was way closer than it should have been, and we did hang with Eastern, we finally came out and played l- loose like you could tell in Idaho that the guys were playing tight because they know they hadn't won a game, maybe it was the the pressure was getting to them a little bit, but they came out and played against eastern a whole different mentality and almost won the game. I still can't believe that Tyler Hall got a decent look to win that game and airballed it. That's just oh, (laughs) but um, roundabout point. Then yeah, I think I think it was time for Fish to move on. I just I don't know if just a coaching change is going to be enough to ever. The next guy is just going to go five hundred for his career too until he gets fired, right? Like that's your career. That's your path at Montana State.
1: Well, if. Two guys
0: sitting here on a you know Thursday night can can point that out. I'm pretty sure Leon Costello could point that out too. So no, I, that's, I, I'm going to take heart in you know there's probably more changes coming to just athletics in general that you, know, you and I are not privy to. So
2: I also think the right coach can overcome any sort of facility or anything shortcoming. Or yeah. he, or the right coach could kickstart the fundraising to get that done. Like it's gonna take a special coach, which you know they don't just grow on trees, but it can be done. And maybe Leon can get a guy in here who can do that kind of stuff. Like I, yeah. I have hope. I have hope that who Leon picks is gonna like that. Was one of you know Santa State enjoyed good success while he was there, and I don't know how much that is attributed to him or not, but I know it happened while he was there. And I know he would love to see it happen at Montana State.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's pretty much all I had about Montana State basketball this year. I don't know what else we might talk about, unless you wanted to kind of talk about uh, the departure yeah. of Tyler Hall.
2: Yeah, you, you wanted to talk a little bit about Tyler Hall. You had some stuff that it seemed like you wanted to mention. Uh, I, want,
0: I want to phrase this because I never want to... Um, I want to be respectful to our players uh, and thank them.
1: But I don't feel. I, I kind of wanted to, your thoughts on Tyler. Is like, did you, did you see him as a great team player?
2: One thing I noticed about Tyler Hall is I never thought he had very good body language. That's so seemed, important. It, it seemed kind of mopey at times. Yeah, it was well. Like it's very, it's well
0: cataloged through like Coulter's interviews and his, you know, analysis. That he's obviously an introverted uh, young man. So I don't think he wanted. I mean, that's just his natural, you know, his mode of operation, so to say.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure he enjoyed being the guy that had to win games for us. I think he would have been a great player with another, like. Michael Ogine and Ahmad Rory, like if he had someone to counter him in that way, like Frey kind of turned into that and sometimes, but you know, Frey's a, a point. I just, we just need like another scorer, like another guy who could just take the pressure off of him. And yeah. I just, I don't know if he enjoyed just being the guy, like the man. Not everyone is, you know, built for that. No nope. he's no, they're not no,
0: not every person can step into leadership no so, i mean he,
2: he he could be like a a dominant like sixth man type guy, maybe he's not even a starter, maybe he's the first guy off the bench and just comes in and just lights it up like I don't know, but and i'm I'm definitely like he was the f- best player I've seen play at m s u but not the like the best complete player, yeah,
0: I guess that's kind of what my thoughts were. As well, and that's just basically all I really wanted to, yeah, kind of bring to light there. So, um, so you and I are in concert in that, okay?
2: Cool. I definitely thought he had his best year this year of his career. His scoring wasn't on top of as it's best as it's been, but he, I think, he had the most rebounds, the most steals, the most assists that he's had in his career. He just, he definitely turned into like the best all around version of him I've seen in his career, and I was, it was a lot. A lot of fun to watch, for sure. Nice.
0: Well, That's all I have, Thorny.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say. It was another bleh season, and it led to the firing of our bleh coach. (laughs) Another 500 coach out the door.
0: Yeah, All Count's a really good guy. Uh, Just couldn't get it done
2: you got to feel for the way that this year went for him personally. Oh, how my tough God. Can, how tough is that? Just everything that happened and it ends like this. Um, You can't take that into account when you make a business decision, but that's just sucked.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's unspeakable, really. Yeah,
2: I can't even so, imagine.
0: No. I mean, you and I are both fathers, and so uh, that's the road you, you never want to go down. Um, yeah, so. I mean, our thoughts for our thoughts are with the fish family. Um, I mean, we sit here and critique the man, and this is his livelihood. Yeah, uh, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's, our just thoughts are with him through his his daughter's death and through this firing too. I mean, this is yeah. not an easy time for him. So, um, hope he hope, hope he lands on this. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, wish nothing for the best for the guy. Definitely had no ill will towards him. Just just needed some new life. Yet again, in a program that hasn't, that just needs something.
1: Yeah. So we'll kickstart next
0: year. New coach, maybe some uh, new plans with some athletic funding. Who knows? So we'll hope for the best.
2: We'll hope for the best. I don't have much hope on that, but I do hope (laughs) for, I just hope we kind of bring in someone that maybe has some clout, some, a reputation, like not just an up-and-comer guy, like someone who's maybe established, maybe who's on, I don't know, maybe more on the twilight side of his career, but has a big name. I don't know. Something like that would bring some energy in the program or not. I don't know.
0: See, I, I kind of, uh, I would go just the opposite of that. I like the up-and-comers, the Rockets, who are just, like, fully driven, you know, just want to <laughs> be the best, fully, like, committed to the mission, you know, just go-getters. That, that's the
2: kind of guy I want. Yeah. I mean, you're that's definitely the guy you need if you're going to rocket yourself to what was the guy? Um, at, who was it? Like VMU that led them to like back to back final eights or whatever. And I was like coaching in the NBA or whatever. Or that, that guy that was uh, coaching. Where the hell did. Oh, <laughs> cool are, you talking about,
0: are you talking about the coach now for Texas?
2: I don't know. Maybe that's where he is at now, but it was the guy who started at VMU is like, a, a bald guy. Young, yeah, young guy. Yep. And then the other guy was the guy who coached uh, Gordon – what's his face? Hayward? Anakin. Yeah. Co- who who was on the team? Was it was he Butler? Is that where he played? Mm-hmm. And that, he's, like, coaching the Celtics now or, or was coaching the Celtics, like, that <laughs> young coach. He was, like, Brad Stevens. He was, like, 30-something. Yeah, he's still 32. coaching them. Yeah, so – that, that's another example of taking a flyer on a young guy who's just an up-and-comer and boom, just now he's coaching the NBA. So, I mean, that's what it takes, but you also fizzle more often than you get lightning in a bottle with those guys. True. A guy who's like in over his head and there you go. That's the end of that. career.
1: You know, quickly, I'll just
0: interject right here too. I think it'd be wise to hire Bobcat. Uh, and, and the reason being, is, yeah, <laughs> there's that name. I just some, some, some guy who, you know, bleeds bloom gold, you know, that has that passion, has, has that love. I mean, has that same love you and I do. I mean, this is the reason why we're doing this, this silly podcast is because we love Montana State. We need a, we need someone who loves Montana State. So I'm not saying Brian Fish didn't, but some, some person who's, who's been here has a history. I think that, will, that would do well.
2: I wouldn't mind seeing a guy who has coaching experience in a similar, not necessarily culture like Bozeman, but just in a similar situation where maybe you're the only thing going for a few hundred square miles in all directions.
0: Yeah, that would help out too.
2: Who's just used to recruiting to that kind of thing, or uh, maybe someone from like a Midwest school, maybe the, the Missouri whatever the hell the equivalent for the Missouri football conference is. I don't think that they also play basketball, do they? Or do they? I think maybe it's the Summit League. I don't know my basketball conference <laughs> very well. <laughs> but wherever, like, Northern Iowa and all those yeah. other schools play, like, some maybe more of a Midwest feel. Maybe some Midwest ball. Maybe turn us into, like, a wisconsin light type team. Might do us some good.
0: Yeah. All right. So. Well, there's okay. our basketball episode right there.
2: Yeah, hope everyone uh, didn't hate that too much. <laughs> Thorny, uh, where can you find our
1: podcast?
2: You can find us anywhere that podcasts are found. Mainly iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find us there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at r r catcast. There's no n or anything. R r catcast. That's our Twitter handle. And that's about it. Those are the two places that we can be found and you can interact with us. Um, We'd love to hear some feedback.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys.
2: Thanks. Go Cats.
0: Go Cats.